0: Welcome to the q and Podcast. Each episode, we take a look back at the week's news in Queens. I'm Jacob Kaye.
1: And I'm Angela Cacerado. Today on the show, in Ozone Park, community leaders say they want more cops on the streets, not less. The mayor came to Queens to hold a town hall, the first he's held in Jamaica in seven years in office. And we speak with an historian who thought someone had to step up to look after a local park. So he did. Let's burrow in.
0: Folks across New York have spoken out against the city's decision to add 500 police officers to patrol the subway. You may have seen online the arrest of a woman selling churros in a subway station. You might have also seen the violent arrest of a man uh, that the police believed to have a gun on a crowded subway car. All All these things have made people across the city pretty outraged. Several civic organizations in Ozone Park feel differently. They want more police. After a series of violent attacks against Muslim and Bangladeshi members of the Ozone Park community, a coalition of civic groups and elected officials and police representatives came together to demand more attention from their police precinct. I think like it's really important to note that we live in an undercounted and underfunded community. So as elections are coming up in 2020, so is the census. And so the more undercounted and underfunded we are, we're underfunded in our police department, we're underfunded in our schools, we're underfunded for road uh, road um, restruct- uh, construction and, and resources that we need in the community. And like the more that happens, the less likely we will get the justice we deserve here in the neighborhood. That was Felicia Singh. She helped organize the protest. Together, the group spoke about the lags in public safety and how they are connected with an unequal distribution of resources throughout the city. The disparity, they say, is even more pronounced in immigrant communities like theirs, where language barriers and fear of deportation may stop residents from building bridges with police officers. And it seems like their voice has been heard. Queen South Assistant Chief David Barrere and the 106th Precinct Captain John Costello were in attendance and took the speaker's measured criticism in stride.
1: Some people see ways in which they could improve their community, but frankly, sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get that stuff done. But Mike Moreno, he's from Astoria, figured he would take on the challenge to make Didmars Park a better place for him and his neighbors. We talked to Moreno this week about the work he's done and the work he hopes to continue to do. Welcome to the show, Mike.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: So let's talk about you. How long have you lived in Astoria?
2: Oh my goodness, Uh, almost a decade now at this point. We love it. Uh, You know, the wonderful thing about Astoria that my wife and my son all really appreciate is that you don't have to get on the subway to do anything if you don't have to. Everything, just about everything is in walkable distance, be they restaurants, grocery stores, bars, playgrounds, uh, parks, uh, community events, everything. So -hmm. we really love it.
1: Tell us about your organization, Friends of Ditmars Park.
2: Right, so Friends of Dittmar's Park started about four years ago now. Ditmars Park, for those who don't know, is on Steinway between Ditmars Boulevard and Twenty-third uh, Avenue. And I was in the park. I, you know, we just recently had our young son and taking him in the stroller to the park. It was a beautiful sunny day, and uh, we went there a number of times during the week. And one day, our assemblywoman uh, Arabella Smodis was walking around with a park attendant and looking at things and pointing at things, making notes, talking to folks. And eventually she got over to me and was like, wow, wow, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we're looking at ways to possibly renovate this park. We're looking for some ideas and we're looking at things that you know people would like fixed or like to see happen. Do you have any thoughts? And so I laid out a, a number of thoughts that not only were my own, but things that I had heard other people mention as well. And she said, you know, have you thought about this park doesn't have an advocacy group? Have you thought about starting one? I said, "What it is an advocacy group?" She told me what it was, and uh, I said, "Great, done. Started now." Uh, and uh, you know, we've been going since then, and really, Friends of Dittmar's Park, I believe, is a conduit between the community and the resources available to them. So, once I started it, there was a lot of resources available that I had no idea about, and most people didn't. And now um, we connect the community to those resources so that we can get things done and really build a more sustainable Astoria.
1: And what are some of those resources?
2: Um, I'm applying for a capacity fund grant. So what that does is that's very focused on the organization itself, but there are grants and funds and opportunities available to the community really through organizations that allow you the the funding and the support and the uh, opportunity to actually get things done be they events that you throw be they um, more awareness around certain types of activities or maybe it's environmental stuff that you're focusing on maybe it's cultural stuff that you're focusing on there's a lot of uh, you know resources out there that are available to the community to to make things happen including to go a step further Further, you know, partnering with city council and getting support that way, like we've done that recently with our uh, youth market, Councilmember Constantinidis has been a big supporter and a big advocate for Ditmar's Park, and uh, we've been able to work with NYC and Global Kids to have a youth market for the past four years, which is something that, you know, was kind of a pie-in-the-sky dream, you know, no everybody wanted, but nobody knew how to make it happen.
1: So it sounds like there's a lot being done in Astoria when it comes to sustainability and taking care of parks. But do you think there's enough being done in Queens as a whole to promote sustainable living?
2: Right. So I think that I think there are a lot. I think that the cultural consciousness is shifting towards more sustainable opportunities. And, you know, I'm looking at things like, you know, solar panels and, you know, how indoor farming and vertical farming has become very big. There's places like Bowery, Farming, Brooklyn Microgrid is the solar panel folks, and there's a lot of opportunity around us right now, um, just due to technology and due to how people are thinking about the environment and creating a more sustainable system around us that we can actually have access to as a community and as a neighborhood. And someone who has really actually stood up for that recently is Costa Constantinidis. He's my local council member. I follow closely what he does, and um, you know he's been putting uh, vertical farms in. Uh, in schools he's been putting solar panels on schools and plans to do more of that and uh, and of course you know we've had conversations about how this uh, youth market is really a great avenue for creating a sustainable community and I think my focus is to amplify what is already happening right people are are more conscious about it Astoria is is very unique in that there are so many different cultures and so many different, uh, people from, from many different backgrounds as well as many different age groups. There's families, there's senior citizens, there's, you know, young millennials, uh, younger single folks who are living here. There's people, um, you know, with with less means available to them who would like more resources. There are people who have many means available to them who are looking to create uh, opportunities and create something. So I've seen, you know, what Friends of Ditmars Park does as a really good amplifier to all of those possibilities. And if we can get a lot of people thinking about how to create more sustainable opportunities in our neighborhood, get them collectively thinking together, then Friends of Dittmars Park becomes this conduit towards creating a really better future for the entire neighborhood.
1: Is there anything in particular that Queens should be focusing on for a more sustainable future?
2: Uh, you know, I think that is a that's a very good question. And I I think what's unique about uh, again queens being a very large area that serves a vast amount of people in many unique ways i think each group of folks might have a different answer to that and that becomes uh, you know a very important aspect is to listen to all of uh, uh, the different concerns from each different community right one neighborhood might have might be more interested in environmental issues or or trash cleanup or or you know cleaner vehicles or cleaner public transportation while Literally, you know, a few streets over, somebody might be more concerned about safety or education or a- accessibility. So there, there are many different communities in Queens, um, which makes it one of the most unique places on the planet that have all of their own needs and, uh, and issues. And it's important to listen to all of them and try to figure out what works for everybody.
1: You've brought these youth markets to the park. Tell us about those.
2: So the youth market is is great, actually. It's a program run through Grow NYC, who everybody might be familiar with, with running the farmers markets around around New York City, the, of course, Union Square market being one of the biggest and uh, most prominent. Uh, but the youth market specifically ends up being a, a smaller market that is able to be put in neighborhoods and locations uh, around New York City that also not only provides fresh and local produce to the neighborhood, but also focuses on employing uh, local youth. So this year, you know, we've got four um, local youth who are actually working through Global Kids and so they get paid throughout the entire season. They get paid a salary, they get to learn uh, skills when it comes to uh, running a business, when it comes to managing um, people and uh, products and you know doing budgets and things like that so they get all this great experience out of it and on top of being paid which is fantastic and then uh they have this opportunity to see actually how it affects the community itself and i think that that becomes one of the more powerful things is to see the growth of anybody who's working in the market from the beginning of the season to the end of the season to realize that they actually have an impact in people's lives and that's a really powerful thing to take away when you're so young to realize that whatever business you choose to go into or however you choose to, uh, you know, develop your life and, and whatever job you're in, uh, there's an opportunity to actually serve real people. That's what it's all about. And uh, when you see the impact and how you can do that most effectively and the joy that that brings, um, I think it's a, it creates a really uh, profound moment for you moving forward through for the rest of your life.
1: And are there any other events that you're planning on hosting?
2: So uh, Friends of Dittmar's Park, the the youth market itself is coming to the close of its season. It ends at the end of November and then opens again um, at the beginning of the summer, say around July. And Friends of Ditmar's Park continues to have events throughout the year. We're focusing right now specifically on bringing in more people into the leadership side of the organization. So we'll be, uh, you know, we're applying for a grant that's going to give us some marketing opportunities and marketing funding so we can really start to build the visibility of the actual organization and the brand that we're building here and try to find more folks who are coming into the organization or who want to be part of actually creating these opportunities and making an impact in their local neighborhood. And when it comes to spending 5, 10, 15 minutes a week to actually better the community around you, I think that can become a really um, really powerful thing even for, you know, busy family members or, or folks who are running around, you know, living their lives in New York City. But to leave a place better than you found it um, with just that small time investment, I think, is really powerful. So we've got cleanups coming, like uh, park, park events where we'll get together and we'll clean up the park. Um, there's also opportunities in the future where we might be bringing in musicians and puppetry shows for, for the kids. As the weather gets better, as we come out of winter, those opportunities um, become more frequent. But between now and then, we're really focusing on gathering uh, committed individuals who want to see their efforts go to the right place and actually make an impact in their community. Um, and so that's what we're focused on. And people can find us at ditmarspark.com. That's our website. You can also, of course, find us on Facebook by going to uh, by typing in you know Friends of Ditmars Park on Facebook. We've got a group and a page. And uh, we're also on Instagram, Friends of Ditmars Park.
1: So Mike, after talking to you and listening to all your ideas and the way that you're invested in Astoria, I was just wondering, do you have any ambition or plans at all for like public office?
2: Uh, you know, I try to leave that to people who are perhaps more experienced or maybe more skilled in that area than I am. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who are doing really great work in that world, and there are others who probably want to be a part of that as well. And so I will support anybody who, is aligned with building this more sustainable story. I think it's a powerful mission, and I think um, there's a lot of opportunity to do that for folks who wanna step into that sphere. That's not the game that I'm (laughs) going to be a part of, I think, in the near future. I think there's a lot of opportunity for me just locally, actually. Um, and, And that's part of the mission, in fact, of Friends of Dittmar's Park. I mean, we are not a 501C3. We have still built these relationships and opportunities with businesses, public leaders and in the community itself. And I think that that's a powerful message in and of itself is that one person. And now, of course, you know, a few other people and the community at large. But, you know, one person can actually step out and say, hey, how do we make this place, these actions, this neighborhood? Uh, better for the people who live and work here every day and that those those resources are actually available to you the energy is there as long as you connect the dots and so i think that it's it's pretty powerful to do that even without being part of the public leadership
1: i hear you all right awesome thanks so much for talking with us mike
2: oh man my pleasure thank you so much
0: Mayor Bill de Blasio hosted his first ever town hall in District 28 this week. De Blasio brought along members of the NYPD, including new police commissioner Dermot Shea, council member Donovan Richards, and assembly member Alicia Hindman. The town hall was held at August Martin High School in South Jamaica, and Angelica was actually there. Um, So, Angelica, this was his first time in South Jamaica holding this kind of event. Um, Did people show up? excited to see him or were they you know, more looking to get stuff off their chest? What did, what did it feel like there?
1: I thought that was an interesting fact too and Councilmember Adrian Adams was very adamant that it was his first time in District 28. They were, there were a lot of people that were very happy to see him there but it was I think a mix of both where people were also there to talk about the many concerns that that community had. So it was It was an interesting kind of environment, but nothing too it it wasn't too too emotional if mm-hmm. that's like fair to say. But uh, he also did make an announcement that the Bailey Houses community center will be reopened and named after the teen shooting victim, Amir Griffin
0: and what what were like the main topics of the town hall? What came up?
1: Well, there were a lot of questions about public safety and gun violence, especially due to uh, Amir's death. Uh, There was a lot of talk about the role that the police and education could have to better protect the youth of Southeast Queens. And then there was also this one adorable fourth grader, a Green. She went up and she asked the mayor why the MTA was always late, what he's doing about homelessness. And she even asked, with all due respect, why was Mr. Benjamin Tucker not selected as police commissioner? And that, you know, gained a lot of applause and it was... It was a really great site, but um, de Blasio even called Amorellis, you know, a future council member, and uh, he reminded her that the state rents the NTA, but they're working on funding from congestion pricing to improve the system, too, and that his office is going to be doing more outreach for the homeless.
0: But he didn't didn't address the question about why Benjamin Tucker uh, was not selected over uh, Shea.
1: He did. He just said that he thought Shay was the best person for the job.
0: So we've kind of been following Success Academy's attempt to open up a permanent location um, for their students in South Jamaica uh, for a while now, and that came up at, at the meeting as well. What What are some of the developments there?
1: Yeah. So at the town hall, several middle school age kids asked De Blasio you know, why he hasn't delivered on his promise to get them a permanent location for about two years now. And de Blasio was quick to announce that they actually have found a location and it'll be in Rockaway Boulevard in an old um, school location. Uh, but then some people in the crowd started shouting out uh, from a distance, like, it isn't permanent or it'll only be available for two years. But then Karen Goldmark the Department of Education's Deputy Chancellor said that it is in fact long-term. I then asked Success Academy what they thought about the news and they were skeptical but hopeful. The Executive Vice President of Public Affairs and Communications at Success Academy told, told us that they will examine this option in good faith early this week but that there are many other public school buildings that will be closer to the families that they serve. But the mayor's office is confident that the new location will be really suitable for them. Um, They also noted that it has a 500 seat capacity um, and Success Academy is looking to enroll about 200. So they think that it's the best place for now and they encourage Success Academy to go forward with the location so they can help them with the rent as well.
0: Looking for something to do this week? We got you covered. You can explore the world of bats with the Queens County Bird Club on Wednesday, November 20th. The event is free and it runs all day at the Alley Pond Environmental Center. The Gustavo Casanave Quartet will be performing on Friday, November 22nd at Flushing Town Hall. The performance begins at 8 p.m. and tickets are $16 general admission, but they're $10 for students come by the Bayside Historical Society to help the group decorate for the holidays. They're decking the halls, they're trimming the tree, and they could certainly use some help from you and me. There will be cookies and cocoa. The event is free, and it takes place on Saturday, November 23rd from noon until 3 p.m.
1: That's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. And make sure to head to qns.com to get more Queens news. This episode was produced by Jacob Kay. Co-written and co-hosted by Jacob K and me, Angelica Acevedo. Our reporters are Jennifer Bakal, Emily Davenport, Kalora Mohamed, Bill Perry, Max Parrott, and me. Our editor is Zach Coelb. Music by Blue Doll Sessions. This podcast is brought to you by Schnepps Media. See you, See next, you next week. week.